Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole. I'm Jeremy. I'm going to be your host today as we present another chapter of the National Park Mysteries. And this time we're on part six, and we're going to be talking about the crazy mountain range up in Montana. Now, we have one case today. That's a pretty good one. Talking to the guys already, Jake thinks he can punch holes in it. I am already sort of skeptic. I'm very interested in what he might be presenting because honestly this is a head scratcher to me but before we go ahead and get into our opinions we got to bring everybody in today with me i have jake and jeff jake how are you doing today bud dude i've had a hectic morning i think it's Good. been awesome my uh my pastor he's a navy chaplain he's getting orders somewhere else and he uh he has a, a dog that they can't take with them they already have four kids. He's going to be gone a lot in this next duty station because uh, he's going out with uh, some Marines and stuff. And they gave their dog up to their uh, the place that they adopted her from. We had her over here for a week or so. We were dog sitting for him and got along with our dogs. Her his puppy is it's like a like a German Shepherd mix, and it was just so loving. You know, really fit here, and <laughs> I was just like. Hey, give me a second. I need to talk to Whitney. And I texted him. And then less than a minute later, I sent it. Hey, we'll take your dog. <laughs> and nice. so hitting him up, he's hitting up the, uh, the place, the uh, adoption place. They agree to let him take her back, you know, such short notice. Because what they do is they take him, they do like a whole medical check. And then eventually they put him back out for adoption again. But they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll let you, you know, take her back. And we understand the circumstance. And so... Later on today, hopefully, we'll be getting a call that he's got her, and we'll uh, we'll go pick her up and get her stuff and everything. And Whitney and I have been talking about getting another dog, so that's awesome. We're we're super super stoked. <laughs> nice, dude. That's yeah. awesome. Hell yeah, Jeff. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good, buddy. Uh, I got a mild hangover, um, <laughs> but I'm good. Kind of hungover. Good. Well, you deserve this then. We'll make sure everything is nice and loud and mm -hmm. drawn out and a lot of quick, sudden sounds. Oh, I've got a headache already. <laughs> and things you have to think about. And try to make a lot of uh, thinking things go in your brain today. Make you think about things, dude. <sighs> yeah. You're an infinite rabbit hole. If you show up to a if you show up to a recording and you're not at your best, we make it the worst possible experience for you. <laughs> yep. And I am now turning over the reins of this episode to Jeff. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not that bad. Just a mild. Jeremy, you were sick like two episodes back and you did all the talking. So, I mean, it's only fair. <laughs> uh, I was. I don't even think I said anything about that. I'm probably going to be like, why does he sound stupid? Yeah. Anyways. Sounds That's slow today. Anyways, all right, so we're jumping back into the National Park Mystery Series. Why? Because you guys like it. There's some of our better episodes, and you guys seem to really show that you like them. The numbers are out are through the roof every time we, we do a National Park Mysteries episode. This time we chose something that we knew was only going to be one part. <clears throat> we're trying to do less two-part episodes, at least back-to-back uh i know there's gonna be one coming up here soon sorry about that but unfortunately the story is too long for it to be in the one episode so but this one we are only doing one case today and then it's a, it's for, to me it's a doozy i think it's a good one 
So real quick, before we get into the subject of tonight, the case, we're going to quickly go over some of the important things to know about the missing 401, which is where we base our National Park Mystery Series off of. Now, we have five other episodes as part of this series. So please, if you guys need a deeper dive into what is the missing 411 and exactly what we're talking about and what makes the cases missing 411 cases, please check out the first episode, uh, National Park Mysteries Part 1 in Season 1. Um, that episode will do the best at explaining it, and I believe we do a pretty good job at explaining it again in, in Part 3. But I'm not going to sit here and beat a dead horse. I'm going to actually jump into the real important stuff that you guys need to know to kind of just get you caught back up and up to speed with what's going on in Missing 411. So we have this gentleman. His name is David Polides. He's an ex-cop, and he's also a Bigfoot researcher. Well, one day he was researching Bigfoot in an undisclosed national park, and some of the rangers came up to him and said, hey, we have some really fishy stuff going on here. We take a look at it. Basically, he uncovered this whole thing with people going missing in the national park system here in the United States and Canada under extremely strange circumstances um, and definitely some some strange ones. Real quick, let's go over some of these what he calls profile points. And basically, every case has a good chunk of these profile points that are outlined in the case. Mm hmm. <clears throat> the first one is there's a point of separation. So there's a point where someone gets separated from somebody else or goes off on their own, whatever it is, there is usually a point of separation. Um, obviously, I know a lot of people are like, uh, duh, that's when they go missing. I get it. I get it. Just hang tight. All right. Another one is time of disappearance. Most of the time, uh, people will go missing during the uh, mid to late hours of the day. And that is very common in a lot of these cases. Another one is boulder fields. So there are these rock and granite fields that are sometimes in these mass, these large chunks of woods and forest here in North America. And a lot of times they go missing around these things. And it actually just looks like a rock fall down the side of a mountain or a hill. And uh, yeah, a lot of times people go missing around those. Um, one other big profile point to remember is weather events. A lot of times a weather event will take place during the time that the person has gone missing or immediately after. And a lot of times it actually happens during the search too. And I'm not talking about, Oh, it sprinkled or, you know, it was a little chilly out. No, I'm talking about major weather events. I think we were talking about the Adirondacks when there was a weather event that dropped almost four feet of snow. Um, extremely heavy rains extreme cold snaps something just out of left field that happens another profile point disability or illness there is usually usually there's a victim that has either a disability or an illness that they are aware of or unaware of uh there has been actually quite a bit of these cases where uh the person didn't know that they had a disability or an illness or people didn't know that they had it and it was hidden from their friends or whatever, and it didn't it didn't come to the surface until after the person was missing, and their family made them aware that yes, this person does have uh, something that could affect them and cause them to go missing. 
and then also there's a lot of times where someone has like a broken foot or a broken collarbone, something along those lines. I remember there was one case that we talked about where there was a guy who had a broken foot and instead of going out hunting away from the camp with his friends, he stayed back and we walked 100 yards away from the camp and went missing. I think that was on the last episode that we did down in Santa Fe. One of the ones that, that stick out the most to me is that a lot of these cases, canines can't track them. They bring in these dogs that are trained to track people, missing people, people on the run um, that have found hundreds, if not thousands of people throughout their careers. And a lot of times these canines just go around in circles or they refuse to go into a certain part of the woods, things that the, the handlers have never seen before. And that is extremely strange because I own dogs myself. And usually dogs are a very, very good sign of something that's wrong or something that isn't right. Uh, my, my dogs will alert to a ghost fart. It's like, <laughs> yeah. what, are you, what are you guys going off for? And it's like another profile point is that sometimes if there is a body found or the person is found alive, they're found in an area that has been previously searched. I can't tell you how many of these cases where you hear about this group that was set to, to search this one area. A lot of times these, these search and rescue missions, uh, they set up a grid system, and this grid has been searched by one group. And then another group comes in and searches, and then another group comes in and, come in and searches. And then three or four days later, uh, they're back in that area, and they find something. They find a boot. They find the person. They find hair, blood, whatever it is something's found another profile point is missing clothing for some reason even the ones that don't have to deal with hypothermia clothing is found the reason why i say hypothermia is because there is this sensation that when you're hypothermic you actually start to feel like you're extremely warm and people will start to shed their clothes can't remember the name of it but there is a there is a scientific term for it and that's not necessarily the case. Like we were talking about a case down in Santa Fe where this was happening in the middle of the summer and it was very warm out. And the woman was just naked when they found her. Like no idea what was wrong with her. Another one is unknown cause of death. It is very hard to determine why some of these people have died. There is some very, very strange circumstances in some of these cases. And the cause of death is never found. And then the last profile point is geographical clusters. Now, if you go over to the their website, it's called uh, canammissing.com. You can find this geographical cluster map where it shows you all the clusters. And basically what this is, is it's, <laughs> it's national parks all across North America where people tend to go missing. And each one of these little pins in the map is somebody going missing. And they cluster around national park areas, not necessarily in the national park, but even the surrounding area around it. Um, when we were talking about Santa Fe, the immediate area outside of Santa Fe was was even more known for some really crazy missing cases than Santa Fe itself, although Santa Fe also did as well. Now, we talked about all the things that that qualify a case for a missing 401 case. A case doesn't have to have all of those. It just has to have 
a good chunk of them. And usually at the end of the case, I will go ahead or at the end of the story of the case, I will go ahead and tell you which one of these are highlighted by the case. But real quick, before we jump into the crazy mountain range, let's go ahead and go over the four factors that will exclude a case from being investigated as a missing 411 case. Any one of these that show up in the case, automatic, not part of the missing 411. One, a real mental illness. Something where this person has a mental disability that clearly shows that this is the reason why this person went missing. It's no longer a mystery. Um, no, this person went missing because of their mental handicap. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is no longer in the realm of the missing 411. Another one, a voluntary disappearance, meaning suicide. If we know for a fact this person walked into the woods to never come back, they will not investigate it as a missing 411 case. Criminal activity. If someone was stolen or kidnapped, pretty much, right? Someone got right. kidnapped or uh, abducted and was taken out there and killed, that is not a mystery. That person was unfortunately killed. Right. They're a victim in a crime. Right. And then the last one is signs of an animal attack. Again, this eliminates the mystery part of it. And there's no question this is an animal attack. So there's no reason to investigate it as any strange case or uh, causing of the, the, the missing person. So any one of those four, any one of these will eliminate a case from being investigated as a missing 411 case. All right, so before we get going, Jeff, this is your first National Park Mysteries episode. Do you have any questions before we get going? Pretty much summed up what I would have asked you about, which would have... Okay. Yeah, you, got, you nailed it. Good job, bud. Cool. Proud of cool, you. Cool, man. Well, <laughs> so let's jump into the crazy mountain range in Montana. Big sky country. Last time we talked about a state and its nickname, we ended up coming up with Finland. But yeah, this but this area has a lot of sky, so <laughs> no doubt about that. All the sky is in Montana. Yep, all of it. All right, a lot of sky. <laughs> so let's let's talk about the crazy mountain range national forest. It's about two hundred thirty-five thousand acres in Montana. And it's not part of a, the Rocky Mountain Range. It's actually a little island of mountains by itself most prevalent animals or predators there are black bear mountain lions and wolves people say that they've seen grizzly bears there but there is no proof and they're not they're not listed as living in the crazies and there are many different theories as to how this small island of mountains got their name the most popular theory is that a homesteading group uh were all massacred by a group of natives except one woman who was out walking the paths at the foot of the mountain and when she returned, she found her entire group killed, and she went crazy with revenge on the killers and fled to live in the mountains. So the name was given to this mountain range as the Crazy Mountains. I, I've come up with five or six different reasons why they, they were called the Crazy Mountains, but this was not only the most prevalent, but I thought it had the best story, so that's where I went. All right, so let's jump into the case of the day. We are going to talk about one Aaron Hedges. Aaron is 38 years old, and he went missing on September 5th, 2014, near Campfire Lake in the Crazy Mountains, Montana. He was a well-regarded hunter. He was someone that everyone knew as having a ton of experience, not only in hunting, 
but being in the actual area of his disappearance. Aaron knew this area. He came to the area to hunt every other weekend, and he had random caches all around the area for his hunting expeditions. Caches, meaning if, if anybody's not familiar, is a hidden bundle of supplies. So let's say extra ammunition, dried out food or freeze dried food, an extra T-shirt. You know, a lot of times people will dig a, a shallow hole, wrap it all up in a trash bag, throw it in the ground and come back for it, you know, if they need it. And basically this helps you from having to walk more stuff out into the woods, you know, because backpacks get really heavy. Mm-hmm. So Question. it actually. Yeah. Is it pronounced caches or caches? Cash. So that, there's what the benefit of that is. So on September 3rd, Aaron Hedges heads out to join two friends for an elk hunt. They were going to pack hunt, which means that they were going to hike and camp. And they had two horses and a mule. They had planned on a week-long trip out to Campfire Lake and during their hike to the lake. The horses freaked out and caused a wreck where a lot of their gear was lost due to being damaged and wet. Aaron's most important loss that day was his sleeping bag, and all three men made it to Campfire Lake. Now, that's a really important part because that actually explains why Aaron went to go do something that we'll talk about here very soon. On September 5th, two days later, Aaron began hiking up a trail away from the camp that they were all camped out uh, to a place called Sunlight Lake to recover his cache that he had stashed there from a hunting trip a year before. The reason why he went up there uh, is said that the cache was supposed to have another sleeping bag. He slept two nights without a sleeping bag, and uh, it was getting a little chilly at night, so he went to go hike out there and get supplies. According to his buddies, Aaron left for Sunlight Lake at about 10 a.m. on September 5th. At 5 p.m., Aaron makes contact with his hunting buddies via their GPS radio. Apparently, he claimed to have missed the split in the path, which led to Sunlight Lake. But because of this missing turn, he was not going to make it back that night and told the men that he was going to seek shelter until daylight. The GPS tracker showed that Aaron was off the path that he should have been on, and he had missed his turn at the fork in the path that he should have taken to get to Sunlight Lake. So. His story matches what the GPS was saying. The guys back at camp spent the entire day of the 6th waiting for him. Early the next morning following that day, on the 7th, his hunting buddies realized something's wrong and spent the entire day looking for Aaron. A massive winter storm began at at 4 p.m. on the 7th. 18 to 24 inches of snow fell within 12 hours. Now that's a I don't know if anybody understands snowfall, but eighteen to twenty four like a foot and a half to two feet of snow dropping in tw- in twelve hours that's a that's a lot of freaking snow, oh yeah, the evening temperature dropped into the teens, and the nighttime temperature dropped even lower, not including the windshield at nine p m on the seventh. One of the other hunters finally calls the authorities to tell them that Aaron is missing in the storm. Search teams from two counties, Sweetgrass and Park counties, arrived on the scene with a few dog teams each. Park county searchers arrived on the scene and searched from the side of the path that Aaron and his hunting partners had traveled, while Sweetgrass county searchers approached from the side of the path that Aaron last checked in on his GPS. 
The, the searchers from Sweetgrass County noticed that there were no footprints in the snow, which made it hard to prove that Aaron traveled that way at all. Helicopters showed up the next morning after the storm passed. One of the dog teams found boots and a camelback water bladder sat neatly next to each other. A little further away, they found a campfire circle and, and straps from a backpack and a partially burned cigarette pack that matches Aaron's favorite brand. The items were found in a place that showed Aaron continuing to hike further away from his last known GPS location, further from his missed turn that would have led him to Sunlight Lake. Interesting fact about the boots and the camelback was that they were found in an area that was searched on the previous day. The searchers who found the items were the same searchers that were searching that area the previous day. Two days before the items were found, a team of searchers surveyed the, the same area looking for signs of Aaron, and nothing was found. Removing clothes and making irrational decisions is a sure sign of someone suffering from hypothermia. The search for Aaron concluded on the 22nd of September, 15 days after it began. In total, there were 60 ground searchers, 20 K-9 teams, and two helicopters as part of the search that ultimately failed to find Aaron. So, before we jump into the next part of this story, is there any questions or comments, anything that sticks out that you guys want to talk about real quick? So, you know, when I was reading about this, I had read that he had, like, they found his boots, you know, like, literally sitting side by side like placed nicely on a trail or some wherever it was, I guess. I don't know if you came across that or, or not. Yeah. Yeah. So you said the what? His boots. When he took his boots off or when they found his boots and they're sitting side by side next to each other. So in my mind, I'm like, if you're suffering from hypothermia, you're not going to take your boots off and set them all nicely down on, down on the ground. Right. You're going to kick them off. You know what I mean? Shit. I mean, I get, I get home and I kick them off across the house. You know what I mean? From what we're seeing so far, my point of view, I'm thinking that this is foul play. That's what it sounds like. Like somebody hurt Aaron in some way or abducted him and took his boots and put him down. Either that or he placed him down nicely as he camped out for the night in that location. But there was no signs of him camping out other than the fire. I mean... Maybe he was sitting there trying to be warm, but that doesn't explain why you would take your boots off. It, there, there are some strange things here going on. I can always tie Bigfoot into this. It just sounds to me like he was signaling which direction he was he was going, perhaps, like depending on the direction oh, maybe. Maybe that his boots were facing. You know, maybe it'd be like a sign, like, hey, I'm going this way. Maybe. I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if they picked up on anything like that. That would have been interesting. I'm looking at these two maps that I pulled off of the movie and it shows where their search area is and then where the boots were found. And I'm looking at the points of the mountain to determine if they had actually searched that area because there's a huge blob where they searched from where the, the cache was at and then to where his GPS location was at and then went back down to where the camp was, right? It's like a big wavy V pretty much, like these two yeah. trails. And then there's another blob further down and that appears to be where his boots were found and you said that they had already searched that area and then they found the boots correct okay can you so send that, just that picture possibly possibly blew a hole yeah i put it in the uh the drive 
or the uh not the drive the uh chat it'd be really nice to see these two maps side by side but you can see right where the boots are right mm -hmm. uh on that one where it says the boot boots are labeled here and for those that are listening if you guys want to see the pictures of these maps they're going to be on the facebook i'll post them with the episode uh they'll probably be in the comment section just look in the comments they'll be right there if you look at like the 10 30 position you see like there might be this other little area where they they search it kind of looks like there's some red in there you see what i'm talking about yeah right next to the ridge you can kind of see the the depth lines there and then there's like this little brown circle then you can go onto the other map and you can kind of see that same thing right so where they found the boots is right at the tail end of that search area that you were just talking about that one that's off by itself yeah that's where it, it begins you can literally lay these two maps over each other and it's just it's this whole canyon well okay so it may not have it may not have ruined my uh my speculation as to what happened can you talk about it now or do you need yeah some more? well i can talk about a part of it um there was like two feet of snow on the ground his boots are probably like only eight inches tall so if they were covered up before they were found because in the movie, they talk about that when they were searching and they found the boots, that the weather was a little bit warmer mm -hmm. and snow was melting. So if they were covered and they just didn't yeah. see them, not necessarily that they walked through that area, there was nothing, and then they came back and then there was something. It could have right. just been that they just didn't see them, you know, because... I know that when they, I know that when there's search parties going on, and there's deep underbrush and there's snow and stuff, they have these sticks and they probe, right? They probe as they go because, as far as they know, there's a dead body laying underneath, you know, some uh, foliage because a murder happened or whatever, or there's a dead body laying underneath all this snow and stuff. But they're just probing around. There's probe, mm -hmm. probe, 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 probe. And although the, I think the boots would make a obvious like there's something here because snow coverage is pretty pretty even right it's not like it just dumps in like a two foot by two foot section it's pretty even throughout so all the rocks and the brush and all the the logs and stuff they make these like these uh these hills and stuff in the snow right and so that would be something to look for but if it was something as small as a pair of boots well that's obviously not a dead body that's probably a stump it's probably a rock or whatever it is. Then later on, a couple of days later, when you know the storm ends, the 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 snow starts melting, and then they're there. And it's just like, oh shoot, here's his boots, mm -hmm. and here's this fire pit with this burnt cigarette lighter or this burnt cigarette pack in it. And I know that that was Aaron's brand, you know. So that I think that it was later uncovered while they're in the process of the search because they said that it was only a matter of days from it going from being an absolute, you know, horrendous blizzard outside to, well, now the sun's coming back out. Whatever that storm was, it's done and the snow's melting. Mm. So that's where I'm going with this. And as we get further into, you know, what happened to Aaron, um, I'll reveal more of what's going on until I just blow a hole in it at the end. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. What about you, Jeff? You got anything else? Not yet. I got it. You can keep going. You can keep going. Okay. 
All right, so let's move into the, to the next part. Nine months later, nine whole months at a ranch, a rather far distance away, the father of one of the owners was performing maintenance on their property fence line when he discovered an orange hunter's vest in the shrubs. After approaching the vest, he discovered a camo backpack leaning against a tree as if someone had placed it there and a compound hunting bow with arrows. Inside the backpack, there were wrapped snacks, a lighter, a gun, and the hunting license of Aaron Hedges. The owners of the ranch reported the items to local authorities, and a search team set out to look in and around the property for signs of Aaron. Searchers found a metal thermos sitting on a large rock not too far from where the backpack had been found, with an open sports drink bottle sitting next to it on the ground. From this position, anybody sitting or standing on or by this rock would have been able to see a road and many different homes and buildings. No other signs were found of Aaron at this location. That's our next stopping point. What else can you add to this, Jake? So this is a distance away. This is quite a ways away, and it's going to lead further into my final point, so I'm going to hold it for now. Okay. Jeff, you got any questions or concerns or bitches or grips? I'm just wondering, like, he had a GPS on him. You know? Yeah. Like, what? I don't know if he had a GPS on him or that his radio showed his GPS location. I don't know if it's the same thing. They described it in the, sh- in the, the documentary. By the way, <laughs> if anybody's wondering where we got most of our information from, there's a, there's a free documentary on YouTube called The Missing 411, The Hunted. This is one of the cases that they go over. So if you guys want to see a nice documentary of it, please check that out. It's really awesome, really good stuff. But in the documentary, they just described it as a GPS and radio. I, I don't know if it was a GPS or like what Jake was saying. It was radio with GPS capabilities uh, that just showed his, you know, location or if it was an actual GPS where he can see like the the the, the area that he's in and all that stuff that helped with directions and stuff. Not sure exactly how how or what it was that he had. He was chipped like a dog trackers from the government. <sighs> He's chipped like a dog. He went in, when they got him at the kennel, they put the microchip in, in his scrap so that they could find him later. <laughs> so I'll move on to the very last section of this. I know this is a quick one, but we want to make sure that we got this all in one episode. Uh, a year later. So we've already passed nine months after his, dis- his initial disappearance. A year after those nine months and six miles away from the ranch, a skull was found under a dead tree by a tourist who was staying at a local dude ranch. Authorities again arrived on the scene and found a pelvis bone, a jacket, and Aaron's cell phone. The remains of Aaron Hedges were found 23 months from his time of being reported missing and 11 miles as the crow flies away from the camp at Campfire Lake. Now, real quick, before I unleash this to speculation and Jake blowing a hole in this a mile wide, (laughs) let's go over those profile points really quick. The profile points 
that were in this case was there was a point of separation. The time of disappearance was was supposedly correct, but we don't know exactly when he quote unquote disappeared because they went a whole day without communication from him. Uh, it was near Boulder Fields, and you see this clear as day on the documentary. It was near water. There was a river weather event. You had that 18 to 24 inches of snow. Canines were unable to track them. Uh, one thing that I failed to mention was that there was uh, a very prominent canine who had a very healthy career, very good, solid career in tracking missing people who downright refused to go to this area up on the ledge. And that was nothing that he's ever done before. Uh, there was missing clothing and, of course, an unknown cause of death that obviously because if you're at the point where you're just finding a, a cranial skull or a cranial cap and a pelvis bone, you can't tell what happened. The three that didn't make it as a profile point in this case, there was no disability or illness. There was clothing found in an area previously searched, but he was not found. So that's why I didn't add that to the to the uh, common profile points. He was not found in an area previously searched. And this is not technically a geographical cluster for the missing 411. There are disappearances that happen in the crazy mountain ranges, but this is one of the lone cases, like the, the outliers, the lone wolf, where... This is a strange case that has everything to do with the missing 411. Eight out of the 11 uh, profile points were matched on this case, except for disability or illness, found in the area previously searched, and part of a geographical cluster. With that being said, who wants to start, boys? I want Jeff to start. Okay, fine. I'll start. So here's the thing, right? Yep. It's freezing cold. Okay, this guy is an ex he, he's an experienced hunter, you know, so he knows what he's doing. He's a woodsman, right? Mm -hmm. There is no reason in my mind why this guy would have taken his boots off. I don't even, you know, like I get the hypothermia thing and like, you, you know, your thought processes aren't quite what they should be and all that kind of stuff. But you know, even if that's the case, you wouldn't set them nicely down, right? The fact that he's found miles away from, uh, I believe he was found, what, like six miles away from his boots? Like that's where the remains were found, was like six miles from the boots? Yeah, it was a total of 11 miles away from the lake. Right, and six miles from the boots. This is the thing. If it's freaking freezing, right, and there's, you know, sharp rocks and all kinds of stuff around, you know, how are you walking six miles with no boots, freezing cold, even if, I mean, especially if you're suffering from hypothermia, you're not going to make it that far. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm thinking that this dude was probably deleted from the simulation. You guys have heard this, right? Like where if it's almost like the simulation doesn't render everything. It's like a video game. You know, when you go further and further, like in Minecraft or something, you know, it, it renders as you go. So I'm thinking to myself, everything's like, in stasis. Right. <laughs> so he goes off into the wilderness 
and the simulation just isn't rendering where he's at. So he just disappears because there's nothing there until a year later when, I don't know, the simulation finally rendered where he was and there's his remains. Some weird shit. Dude, I am so fucking happy that we added Jeff to this team. (laughs) I needed to add somebody like you, dude. This is great stuff. (laughs) I love it. Love it. Don't don't agree with it one bit, but I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Or pocket dimension, you know, maybe he accidentally stepped into a pocket dimension. Man, now you're taking my my thing. Cheese. Oh, okay, my bad. Yeah, stay stay in your fucking lane, Jeff. How am I supposed to? I I I can't read your mind, Jake. Can't you? It's a simulation. (laughs) (laughs) If he was killed by a bear or something, we would you know they would know that, you know. So Dude, he would have been eaten right there and then. That bear's right. not dragging him 11 miles to go eat him somewhere else. That's bullshit. Right. No, I um, I actually would like to go first before Jake because Jake promises to, this to be a big ordeal. Oh, yeah. I'm very confident in what, in what happened. I'm actually going to say that I don't, I don't personally think, at least until Jake proves me wrong, uh, because the last time we were told that we were going to all be proven wrong was by CJ on one of these National Park Mystery episodes, and he ended up bringing a doozy. Um, so take a listen to the Santa Fe episodes. It's two of them. And find out what, what CJ ended up saying. It actually makes a lot of sense. Um, I think... Oh, man, I th- it's really, really tough to say. I don't believe that he slipped through another dimension. I don't think that this was a pause in the simulation or that he was just trapped in stasis. I hate I hate saying it, but I'm just saying this as a possibility, okay? As a possibility that makes too much sense. The Bigfoot got him. I have to say that this case actually really reminds me of the Albert Osman case. If anybody's not familiar with the Albert Osman case, I'll give you a... A brief summary of it because we're going to dive into this really heavy one day. But Albert Osman was abducted and kidnapped by a small group of Bigfoot. <laughs> and yes, I know. I'm going to go. I'm the Bigfoot I guy. I freaking called it. I was the you Bigfoot did. man. So, well, I actually have two cryptids as this could be. Is that the one? That's the one where he was in the sleeping bag, right? And he fed the, fed the tobacco to the male. Yeah. In that story, they took his shoes off, and they were they were interested at at the shoes because you know they don't they don't have covered feet or anything. This sounds like he could have been kidnapped by a Bigfoot. I know that sounds extremely woo woo. I'm just trying to come up with anything that makes sense because, like Jeff was saying, taking your boots off and hiking six miles with no boots on in the snow in melting snow, which is super wet doesn't make sense it just doesn't and then you get to a point where your stuff is sitting next to a farm next to a road where you can see the town from you can literally see the town in the out like in the distance from this from this rock or the stump that all this stuff was found on doesn't make sense and this was nine months later that his stuff was found not saying that that's where he was nine months from then. But just saying that he was there at some point, he could easily have made himself home. 
by going to knock on the door of the farm or walking on the road towards town. Now, if a Bigfoot were to come and grab somebody, I have no evidence of this whatsoever. But um, there are these cases sometimes where people will say that a Bigfoot, if someone had died or something, like a person had died, a Bigfoot will place their clothing down or their possessions down close to uh, civilization. So, for example, let's say that he got abducted by Bigfoot. And the closest, after he died in the in the custody of the, these these creatures, he died, and they took his possessions and gave them back to us as the humans, the early human race. And the closest that they were was near this farm. So they put it close to the farm with actually without actually going far enough to be spotted, and then. You know, they had a few things on them. Like, I don't know, maybe they carried the body around, man. I don't know. Maybe they made some sort of jewelry or some kind. Like, they took a pelvis bone for, like, a trophy or something. Why would he have died in their custody? Because by and large, they probably eat the exact same stuff that we do. Like, not hamburgers and stuff, but, you know, the same types of wild edibles, uh, possibly meat and fish and things like that. I mean, there's a, a, I mean, a creek or a... I mean, they called it a creek in the video. It's like a whitewater river the entire time. But, you know, it's just like, why would he have died there? Well, let's let's say that, you know, this was a family, a mother, mm-hmm. a father and a juvenile. Let's say that juvenile is like, yo, let's fight, you know, like kids do. And, crush and, this, ju- spine. and, <laughs> and this juvenile has the strength of a fucking chimp, you know, and this thing's already bigger than him. And yeah, you know. I mean, think of it as like a seven-year-old kid trying to play WrestleMania with their six-month-old sister or brother. You know, it's like he could just be playing around, but could fucking easily kill him. (laughs) No, I'm I'm just being serious. I'm going to go off on a limb here and say that he wasn't abducted by a cryptid because he was armed and he was an experienced hunter. No. I don't think so, because they could have easily snatched that shit. Now, Jeff, I know you don't ha- you don't know a lot about the stories and the theories behind Bigfoot, but there are theories wow. saying that Bigfoot knows. No, you don't. He had I'm a swamp ape attack his trailer. Oh, that's like, true. You did. You did. A swamp ape that anyways, right next to me, bro. Anyways, they it have is afternoon it, tea time together. <laughs> it is theorized that. <laughs> These creatures, known as Sasquatch, knows what a gun looks like. Um, I don't know if there's not much saying what a what a you know if they know what a bow looks like, but there is a lot of uh, stories where a Bigfoot is acting normal, and then they notice that the the person has a gun on them or anything, and they start acting weird, like uh, you know, like they're communicating with different clans of these guys uh of these creatures and through passed down uh stories and stuff just like the natives used to do they learn that they have that we can that we have these things on us that hurt maybe they just took everything away from him maybe they took all of his clothes off of him 
maybe he died from hypothermia uh, because the Bigfoot are covered in fur or hair. And they're looking at him like, dude, why do you got this clothes on? Let me like get it all off. And they get all the clothes off of him and they don't realize that this dude's freezing to death. So he dies from hypothermia. I mean, there's a lot of ways that, you know, being kidnapped by a Bigfoot, you can die without starvation or dehydration. And not to mention, you know, (laughs) Bigfoot might be taking, might be taking some mushrooms, man. And they're like, you know, they're all used to it. And he gets like a fat fucking dose of mushrooms that just sends him on this journey, bro. And he ends up walking right off a cliff. You you know, it's funny you say that because I actually had the thought that maybe while he was lost, uh, he may have tried to do a bit of foraging and ate some mushrooms and maybe he was just tripping balls and didn't know what he was doing. And that that could be, too, because that shit will fuck with your senses. It will like, you know, you could be like, oh, bro, it's fucking hot out here and take off your boots and set them down nicely. And all of a sudden, 11 miles later, you're you're dead <laughs> next to a dude ranch. Um, <clears throat> that could be it could be that 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 actually is something that doesn't relate to a cryptid that is a good possibility but let me talk about the the other cryptid real quick and that is a thunderbird thunderbirds are, are spotted quite a bit in montana they're giant they're huge let's say homeboy was walking down the the path the wrong path because he was supposed to go up to this other lake and got swooped up by thunderbird the thunderbird dropped dropped him at this area next to the um the farm maybe you know there was like a scuffle between him and the bird lost a bunch of his stuff and then finally found or was finally taken to his final resting place a total of 11 miles away from where he initially got separated from his group those are my theories i do like the mushroom theory though that is a good one but i am very interested to see what Jake's got. Yeah, both of those theories are dumb, but I've got Good. it. I've got what's going on here. Hey, everybody. Bear with us while we take this quick break. Okay, so right now, if you guys could do the same, just so you, you can see what's going on, I have the Facebook, um, our Facebook Messenger pulled up, and I have those... I'm kind of split screening between Zencaster and between uh, Facebook, right? And I have those two pictures I took of the search map and then the uh, the location of where his boots were and then the line says six miles and it goes to where his remains are. If you guys yep. pull that up so you could see what the heck I'm talking about, that would be cool. And so, like, like we said, we'll put these in our Facebook. I'll, I'll actually, I don't know, I'll... I'll use my cell phone and we'll go on to like, you know, the video and I'll take actual screenshots. So you don't just see the outline, you know, around my TV and stuff. It'll be nice <laughs> and clear. And we'll put those up on the, um, up on our Facebook. So people can have a frame of reference to what I'm looking at. So here we have in this first picture, we have this search area, right? And it shows the cache. It shows the camp below it, um, on another, or, the cache is on a ridge. The camp is below it at the lake. And then we have his GPS location. So here's mm-hmm. what I think happened, right? So right in the beginning, his mule that has all of his stuff on it goes completely ballistic, gets spooked, throws all of his stuff down, 
I, I didn't hear, I know that Jeremy, you talked about it a little bit, but I didn't hear whether or not they talked about like his stuff was just lost or it was, um, it was destroyed or it got wet or whatever it was. But the way I framed it in my mind is that when they're flying around the helicopter in the beginning and they're showing them, you know, and they, they have the red marks on the ground, they're like, oh, here's where the boots were at. And here's where the, the camp, you can see the camp right there over the ridge. And here's where the cache was at. There's that trail that they were, that they were on, but all around it is just shale and it's crazy and it's impossible to, to if you get off the trail, good luck to you. And they actually mentioned that the, the sheriff that they're interviewing in this video, he mentions that he says the reason why we stuck to the trail is because it's so rugged there. And it's hard to imagine that he would have like gone off the trail and then been able to get back on it. It just doesn't make any sense because it's like steep drop offs, you know, cliffs, even if they're a little short cliffs, but there's cliffs nonetheless, you know, you go off this trail and it's just, and he says, it's like, it's so it's so shaly right there that it's like you take one step forward and two steps back every time you, you take a step because you just can't get any traction and it constantly moves out from underneath your feet. So it's incredibly rugged. So I don't know if, you know, the, this mule was spooked and maybe his stuff came off its back and just went straight down off a cliff. <laughs> like, and just like, all right, it's gone. Right. So he goes back to this cache and he goes to get his stuff. Now, the only part I have in my theory is that I don't know why he didn't take this fork where it's obvious, and they, they said that in the video, it would be unmistakable. You come down here, you take this fork, and you, you roll down. Um, you know, you go down towards the, the, uh, the lake. Now, let's just say, because they waited an entire day before they started searching for this guy. And then when they started searching, the temperature plummeted, the storm happened, all that sort of stuff. So let's just say, for argument's sake, that he was at this cache for a really long time. Like, to where, you know, and we're looking at this, this map right here, and if it's as rugged as they say, and this is actually a pretty fair distance. This isn't like a like, hey, you're just going to walk over this hill. Here's your stuff. It's, you know, a couple hundred yards away. This is like a few miles, right? Real so quick, that, that, he's getting... That camp is at Campfire Lake, right? Right. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. So I'm looking at this, these two mountain ridges right here. And I don't think this is some easy, you know, ah, a couple miles, whatever. I think this is probably five, six, seven miles, right? Maybe. Um, like this distance between the cache going all the way down to that fork and then rolling back down to the camp is probably quite a bit. And if it's as arduous as they say, as, as far as the trekking goes, maybe it took an awful long time, right? By the time he got to his cache, got the stuff that he wanted to pull out of it, that he's like, all right, a new sleeping bag, a new, um, you know, whatever, a change of clothes, whatever it may be, the stuff that he had in there that he was going to replace, a tent, you know. By the time he comes back down to the fork, it's too late in the day to decide, hey, I'm going to go and, and risk walking this narrow path down this ravine to get to this, uh, to get to this lake. 
So I'm going to go just past it, past the fork. I'm going to find a place where I can, I can bed down for the night. And I think that's where his boots were found. Or because it was later in the day, he missed this fork entirely because if you look in this first picture where it has the location, the GPS location, down past that, and you see that in the next picture, is where the boots were found. And there's this, like, this point. But right there, there's also a fork where it goes down to another lake. There's a little lake down there. So maybe he walked right past it because it was later, and he went down to where this other fork was because there's two lakes. It literally, like, it mirrors itself. Like, if you were to take a, if you were to just square out this little V where the cache is, it goes down to a point, and then it rolls down to the camp. If you were to take a, like, a copy of that and then paste it next to itself, literally the trail does the exact same thing. If you go just past it, just past the GPS dot, down to where his boots are at, there's another fork, same little pointed ravine area, rolls down to a, another lake. So I think that maybe he had just walked past it or he had gone down here to camp out. Maybe it was off a ridge, it was away from, you know, wind, whatever it may be. This is, you know, the theory that I have. So the boots were taken off intentionally. That is I think that he got uh one thing that would not have been apparent to someone who found boots in a foot of snow or whatever is if his boots had been wet at the time he took them off. If they had been wet because they were filled with sweat because he's, you know, just just trekking through all this crap this entire time. If he took them off because he was trying to make camp, they said they found a half-burnt cigarette pack and then a half-burnt tinder bundle. So that leads me to believe that he's making a fire, which either he's making a fire to dry off its boots, which he had taken off, or he's making a fire to make camp for the night. Either way, that's where he's at. He's intentionally there, and he's trying to do something whether it's, hey, my boots are wet, my feet are freezing right now, I'm going to take my wet boots off, I'm going to try to dry them out some, and then I'm going to head back, or I'm going to camp out here for the night, and then I'll head back in the morning, right? So that's where I'm, my head's at right now, because I'm thinking about this from a logical perspective. You know, What would I do if I was on a hunting trip and got lost in the woods? Or not lost, but say like, this took longer than expected, and I'm not going to risk my life walking this super steep, ridiculous trail in the dark with my headlamp. So instead, you know, I'm just going to hang out here, and I mean, it's not like I can, I can call my buddies. I think this distance in itself is too far for most radios to do, unless you're doing like a, a really hardcore, like a Bofang that's like a, a CB radio. But you know, here, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hang out here t tonight. <clears throat> I know where my friends are. I know they'll be expecting me in the morning. I head back when I get there in the morning, I'll tell them, you know, what happened and just be like, Hey, you know, thanks for waiting up for me. You know, let's continue with our, our plans and stuff. So, however, in that video where you see the helicopter flying and stuff, they, and I mentioned this, they keep calling that, that river that's running down there, a Creek or a Crick, you know, they keep calling it that but I'm looking at white water the entire time. It's just barreling down. And I was just like, 
well, what I would call a creek and what someone else would call a creek or a creek is quite possibly two totally different things because I'm thinking like a little, like a creek, you know, like, like two feet wide, trickling yeah. down, that sort of thing. Maybe their version of a creek is like a river is like the Mississippi River and then anything <laughs> smaller than that is a creek because that looked like a whitewater river the entire time they're flowing over, they're going over it. There's a lot of water moving. It's incredibly rough. Now, my original thought was that he fell off of this cliff because where they show his boots is a freaking drop off right there. It's a it's a, a significant drop off, right? Maybe it's not like incredibly steep, but it's not or it's not incredibly like far down, but there is no like grade to it at all. It's just cliff right there. So he is so my initial thought was that he fell off this thing in the dark and it went got washed downstream. However, the creek or the river flows the opposite direction from where his body was found. So I had to think about something other than that because they were saying they that was my original thing. And then later on, they're like, but here's the the crazy thing, like towards the end of the video, they're like, here's the crazy thing is that the creek flows the opposite direction. So it couldn't have been that he fell in there and then he got washed downstream because if that was the case, he would have been washed into uh, Campfire Lake or whatever it was, <laughs> like the area where his friends were. So he would have ended up there eventually, even if he was dead um, from hitting his head off of rocks and stuff. But what if he had to go down there to get water or something, right? Because it hadn't started snowing yet. It didn't start snowing until, what, the next day? Or it had started snowing. But let's just say he had to go down there to get water or he did, in fact, fall off and he, say, I don't know, busted his head on something and got a massive concussion. Now, I know that in where they found his skull and his pelvis, I don't know if you can get a concussion without causing damage to your skull. I know it's just, it's like getting hit in the head really hard. Um, but the way I'm figuring it is that if he, if he banged his head on a rock or he injured himself in some way, um, if say like he banged up his leg or he, or he jacked up his ankle or something like that, maybe because they didn't find any of his legs or his feet or his hands or his, you know, ribs or anything like that. They found his skull and his pelvis. That's it. So as far as they know, a bear could have ripped all of his guts out of his body and then eaten his spine in half, and they would have no idea because all they found was his skull and his pelvis. So as far as like an animal attack goes, they have no freaking clue. Um, but I'm not going anywhere with an animal attack, but I'm just leaving that as a frame of reference. So if he had injured himself pretty, pretty terribly by, say, like falling off that cliff and just snapping his leg, then he would have been in quite a pickle and it wouldn't have been apparent to any medical professional because none of his legs were found, right? None of his, his femurs were found his, you know, nothing else except for his skull and his pelvis. Mm -hmm. So let's just say that it was something along the lines of that. Say he fell off that cliff or on his way down there to go get water from there. So he could, you know, boil it in his little, little thing that he had, his little thermos that he had, whatever the circumstance was, he injured himself. Now he's in a position where he's on this river and he could either go whatever this distance is through this rugged terrain 
back down to the camp where his friends are and then go all the way back up this trail and roll out the way that they came. Or he could continue down, you know, going against the river to this area where he knows there's farms and there's people there. And that's where you go into the next picture where it shows where his boots are. And then there's six miles and there's where his remains are. And they said from where his remains are, you can see farms. If he was as familiar with this area as they say, then why wouldn't you think I'm going to take the easiest route possible? I'm horribly injured. Let's just throw the concussion thing out. Let's just say he broke his leg or he's really badly messed up one of his ankles or something or snapped an arm. And he's just like, I could either go double back 20 miles and then have to hike out again from this location where this lake is or wait for a helicopter to come in and get me if we're able to to signal for help using our, our apparently super high-tech radios. Or I could follow this river down, you know, five, six miles, and I know that there's farms down there and someone has a landline and they can call for help. So continuing with my theory, he follows this river because this trail follows this river. It's at the bottom of this ravine right here. It's up, it's up on top of him, and down below that is this river, and he's following it down there. While he's making this trek, and I don't know, people, I think that people sometimes get this like idea in their heads that like six miles is some crazy distance. Like, I freaking, I went, I did a... F- three mile hike a couple months ago up a up a mountain that was at like a 70 degree angle it was nuts and it was incredibly difficult but i did it in an hour and a half it really didn't take that much time and it was like the ground would move underneath your feet and you'd slide and it was dirt in some places and gravel in some places like it was it was pretty crazy this place is like five minutes from my house you know driving it really isn't that crazy of a distance. Maybe it takes longer if you like hurt yourself and maybe, you know, climbing over rocks and stuff and like a, a precarious sort of like river scenario, but it, it wouldn't take that crazy amount of time. It's not like, Oh, six miles on, you know, rocky terrain, man, that's going to take days. It really isn't like that. You know, anybody that, that hunts and like actually has to scout for their, their kill, they may walk that distance and pack out their their kill in that distance in a day or two. Say they have to leave it for the night, and then they come back the next morning, grab their kill, you know, they quarter it up, and then they pack it out. It's not that big of a deal. It would probably be a lot more if you were hurt, but at the same time, that would be a very easy, a much easier way to go versus going all the way back to where his friends are and then having to if they couldn't get a signal enough to get a helicopter having to go all the way back out to where their vehicles were originally or wherever, you know, they started their, their trek with their mules and all that sort of stuff. So let's just say that he, he knew this. So he falls down this way while he's going this direction, the weather event happens. And then he's in in trouble because for one, he doesn't have any boots on, right? So his feet probably are taking quite a beating. He doesn't have any of his, uh, well, he doesn't have a sleeping bag in his tent or anything like that because it wasn't found originally or it was, you know, or did have it and he lost it when he got into the river. I don't know, you know, because they, he went up to his cache, but they didn't say that he really had anything with him when they found his backpack besides his, the phone and 
his gun and all that sort of stuff, right? And I know the the phone thing is just like, oh yeah, the phone, but if there's no cell phone signal, it doesn't do you any dang good except you could take pictures with it. And if it gets soaking wet, whether from snow or from, you know, a a river, what good is a cell phone going to do for you? As a matter of fact, in the video, they said, I think they said that they couldn't pull anything off of his phone. Like, and that could have been because of the duration of time that his, his stuff was out there in the elements that year and a half, two years before they actually found his remains, or it could have been an initial because it was banged up or because it got wet initially. So there's no, really no frame of reference there as far as like why they couldn't access his phone at all. But so he goes to this area through this weather event. Now he's in a pickle. Now he has hypothermia. So the way I'm figuring it is that this has all happened in a matter of days. His boots were covered by snow. They later found them on that ridge right there. But none of the, the pictures in that first picture show that they searched further down in this river. They just stopped. They're like, oh, here's the trail. And here's, you know, a little bit further on is where we found his boots. But they don't go looking down this, down this trail right here. As far as they know, if they had gone down this river and searched down here, they might have seen a, a, a tent set up somewhere or a sleeping bag if he had pulled stuff out of his cache. But they never mention that. They never go into it. They don't say that they searched it. They just show, then later on, his remains are found here. So let's say that he has to hike along this river during this weather event. Now he's hypothermic. They say it dropped from like the 50s, which was, as the sheriff said, relatively warm, down to the negatives. Now he's in some deep crap because now he's hypothermic, right? And it does not take long to succumb to hypothermia. I think when they found his thermos, he probably was trying to hydrate himself and warm himself up, maybe. Um, but I think that he eventually walked over to where they said, oh, you can see the ranch from here. You can see houses from here. I think that's where he died. I think that he succumbed to hypothermia just before making it to safety. Um, I think they say that 80% of your body heat goes comes out of your head so if you're if you're really cold you should definitely have a hat on um but there's a significant amount as well that comes out of your feet and if your feet are exposed to the elements that it will just sap the the heat right out of your body so if he has no shoes on maybe he has socks but let's just you know you're walking down a river those socks are toast um i think that he just couldn't maintain his body heat he almost made it to safety and then he died And in that span of a year to two years, you know, they said it was like nine months and then another year later, you know, nine months later, they found his backpack, I think, and his thermos and all that sort of stuff. Or maybe he set it down against a tree and now not thinking clearly, he keeps walking and then eventually he just falls over dead. Um, And then a year later is when they find his skull and his pelvis. So I think in that time frame, there might have been scavengers that ripped his body apart, and the only thing they left was his skull. You would not be able to see if a scavenger ate someone's body. Say they, they didn't touch the skull or the pelvis, but they just destroyed everything else, right? Um, or they, yeah, being graphic, ripped out his intestines and stuff and all kinds of stuff. Maybe he got attacked by an animal while he was still alive because it's not like they found 
any of his clothes. They said that he they didn't find his pants. Um, they didn't find his you know socks. Socks. You yeah. know they didn't find a lot of things. So a lot of things could have could have caused his body to be ripped apart in that time frame. Um, there's not a tremendous amount of animals. I don't think will usually eat something that's rotting. Although animals can be scavengers, they won't like eat something that's really like far gone. But if it's cold enough outside, um, people today are known to leave their fresh deer kills outside overnight and they open up the, uh, the internal cavities so they can cool off in the natural fridge if it's cold enough. Because they know it's going to be cold enough tonight that that meat's going to be perfectly fine to pack out tomorrow morning. I don't have to go out there in the middle of the night in the dark to go and try to find my deer. I'll just come get it in the morning. Hopefully an animal doesn't get it, but that's, you know, that's the way it is. So if it's cold enough that it's unfortunately preserved his body and then animals come in there and scavenge him and start ripping off pieces and, and carrying him away. And the only thing that's left over after a while is his skull. Um, I mentioned the, uh, I mentioned the concussion because that would cause you to not be thinking clearly, but they wouldn't be able to tell that if you find a skull of somebody two years later, there's not going to be a brain in there anymore. I think that he got most of the way there. He knew that there was going to be those houses there, and that would be the easiest way to go to seek help for whatever was the issue. And he succumbed to hypothermia at that point and died. And then in those two years, his body was just ripped apart. And then the only things that they found, I think that the, they said that the backpack was intentionally laid against a tree. And I think that was because he intentionally laid his backpack against a tree. Um, but I don't think he was thinking clearly. And maybe he was just like, after he had that little respite where he's just like sitting down, hydrating himself, he's just like, I'm feeling awful. Say my leg or my arm is, is completely throbbing. I need to get help. I'm just going to keep pushing. And he only made it another, you know, couple miles and then he died. And I think that's, that's what happened. I don't think that there's any foul play. I don't think that there's any... Bigfoot or time portals or anything. I think that this is a pretty, you know, easygoing case as far as what happened to him. I don't know, man. I mean, with most of what you said, I agree. I can totally see it happening. But when you come to the point where he lays his backpack down right next to a farm, I mean, less than a quarter mile away, up on a little ridge where it's not even a ridge, it's a rolling hill. Well, doesn't he go that direction, though? Uh, he well, he doesn't know. He doesn't even go towards the farm. He goes because the farm is facing one way, and then off in another direction. Like, uh, let me try to use the correct cardinal. Direction. What if he couldn't see the farm because of the blizzard? Maybe, maybe. And then he was just following in that direction that he knew there was other houses. Possibly. I mean, if it if it's dumping two feet overnight, there's going to be. Well, first of all, it's dark outside. Mm -hmm. Second of all, it's going to be a whiteout. Like I've been yeah. snowboarding one time where it didn't even snow that hard, but it was a complete and total whiteout. Like you couldn't see five feet in front of you. And I just yeah. took off my snowboard. I was, I was on a, like a double black diamond. It was a pretty precarious trail. Like there was a legit cliff on one side of it. So what I did was I took off my snowboard and I walked into the tree line that was behind me and I sat there for two hours and I waited for this thing to pass. 
because I <laughs> couldn't see freaking nice. anything. And so, you know, maybe he was traveling at night during the snow event. Maybe it was the next day and it was the weather was still continuing and he just couldn't see it. You know, a quarter mile is pretty far to see during a significant weather event. I don't know, man. Again, this guy's an experienced woodsman. You know, I don't think he would make any dumb decisions. You know, even if he realized he was lost, I don't think that he would have tried to travel, you know, at the end end of the day, close to nighttime. I don't think he would have tried to move around if, if the weather was really bad. I think he would have really played it smart if he was as experienced as, as they say. Um, and just for the sake of it being fun, I'm going to go ahead and say he just got de-rendered out of the simulation or (laughs) stepped into a pocket dimension and in that pocket dimension there could have been who knows what you know interdimensionals or alien grays and you know well i mean you're completely entitled to have your your view of what happened that's just mine i dude i can totally (laughs) i can totally see everyone's explanation of course you can see yours (laughs) (laughs) to reiterate I'm saying that it is a possibility that this was cryptid involved. It's not necessarily what I believe happened. I don't have a belief in what happened here. This story is so strange. You know, there's, there's just not enough information for me to come up with a legitimate thought of what could possibly have happened. Jake, uh, I think most of your story makes really good sense. But the problem is, is that with everything that, you said, and then, you know, we talked about the area near the farm where he left his backpack. It was, well, you know, okay, he was that close to the, to the farm. Then you have to come up with an excuse why he didn't see the farm. Then you have to come up with an excuse why he went upriver instead of went going downriver. Well, this is a speculation. Know. I mean, no, I'm absolutely. real world I mean, things and what I would do. Yeah. No, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. I just think that I I definitely will be the first to say, and I'm sure you guys can all agree that every single one of our explanations is a stretch. Yeah. There's holes holes in all of them. There's holes in any explanation that I've, I've read about when it came to this, this is, this is why this case is a missing four on one. Could it be where there's absolutely no strangeness involved whatsoever in this case? Yes. Could this be him walking into another dimension and literally sitting in a no dimension of nothing? <laughs> Probably not. But but it why not? Yeah. No, I actually don't disagree with you, Jeff, because I, I am a believer in multiple dimensions and and parallel worlds. I am. Well, there is multiple dimensions. I mean. Well, yes, exactly. But, but the pocket it, dimension is a specific thing. I, I don't know. We, I right. haven't really broke that down on the show very much yet. Maybe I'll do right. that one day for you guys. We'll, but, and we'll get into the whole. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that. But it's more likely that Jake is on to something, in my personal opinion. Uh, but I cannot discount what Jeff said because it also makes sense. In fact, Jeff's explanation has zero things wrong with it. There is nothing that you can say that if something such as a pocket dimension exists, Jeff can be 100% correct and there would be zero holes in his theory. But if you talk about like the layman, right? What are we, what most people will come to a conclusion? 
Jake's makes the most sense. And then you have that guy who thinks Bigfoot is the one that stole, you know, <laughs> the guy. And honestly, personally, personally, I think I'm the crazy one here and I don't make sense. Um, <laughs> but I try to I try to fit Bigfoot into every episode because I am a huge fan. Bigfoot, if you're listening, I'm a huge fan. Hit me up, brother. What if where he put his boots down, there was a dimension or uh, not a dimension, a portal to this pocket dimension that opened right there or to another dimension, whichever. So say like he's just like he takes his boots off. He's like, it's getting late, right? Takes his boots off or he starts the fire and then he takes his boots off because that would probably be the more rational chain of events, right? And then a portal opens behind him and he's just like, what on earth is that? I'm an experienced woodsman and I've never seen that before. So then he goes, he steps into this portal and the portal, the other side of it was where his remains were. He sees the other end of this like void that he's in and he goes towards that. And as he's trying to come, go out of the portal, it closes and chops his head off. Cool. Perfect. Let's get even stupider about this. <laughs> and let's say, Hey, you, you have no, you can't tell me that that circumstance didn't happen because you have no clue. You're right. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to throw an even wild one. And out. also chop his pelvis off. I'm going to get crazier. You ready for this? Okay. Dude sat down right at a fire, took his, took his boots off, sat him down nicely right next to him, propped his feet up on a log and said, mm, I'm going to warm up these nice little piggies. We're going to get back to hiking. And all of a sudden he got attacked by a Bigfoot and that Bigfoot threw. Wait, I'm sorry. He put, he qu quickly put his boots back on. Cause he's like, I'm not going to fight a Bigfoot in this, in this winter weather with no no shoes on that's just dumb so he puts his shoes back on and then the bigfoot takes him and throws him through a portal but get this the only thing that's not allowed in the portal is shoes so whoever's standing gate duty at the portal is like no dude can't take shoes but he's already flying through and he's like crap i gotta make a split decision and he kicks his shoes off right there at the end and they land perfectly even right next to each other. Just a stroke of luck. And he teleports to the farm where there's another Bigfoot waiting for him that throws him through another portal Look, and drops I'm, him off six, six miles away. I'm trying to speculate on what actually happened. You're just being silly. All right? <laughs> I agree. I do like the Thunderbird idea, though, because I do believe that there's probably giant birds out there. I don't disagree, but we're going to save that because one day we will do a, a Thunderbird episode. But here, I'm just going to do a very brief explanation on this pocket dimension. There, it doesn't have to be a portal. You could literally be walking through the woods and walk through into a pocket dimension and have no idea that you did, right? Like there's nothing different. Kind of like in that movie um, Black Panther, how they had like a force field around the city, right? Mm -hmm. And it just looked like more more land out there you know what i mean mm -hmm. it was like invisible mm -hmm. so maybe he walked into it and as soon as he took that step into the pocket dimension you know it could be an even bigger or v like a, a more vast area or a smaller area like that's the sizing doesn't matter anymore so maybe that's how he got lost you know what i mean who knows maybe I don't know. he fell into mary poppins bag <laughs> mary poppins handbag that has all of her stuff in there her lamp I guess we'll just never know the truth. I think that all opinions here were were valid in their own right. I mean, shoot, ever since I found that footprint in the woods, I'm a believer in Bigfoot. I don't know. 
I'd have to say that if if someone was taken by a Sasquatch, and I agree with what you're saying, that whole what if there was some rough housing going on? Because I mean, dude, chimpanzees that are like lifelong pets of people sometimes get a wild hair up their butt and they rip their owner's arms off. You know, so I mean, well, it's happens. very common that they rip their testicles off and they eat their faces off and stuff. I mean, they're they're pretty they're pretty psycho, but let's just say he was if not captured by a Bigfoot, was just, I don't know, led off by a Bigfoot. And then then because, let's just say because of this weather event, if, if, and this is a small if for me, because I I believe that they, that they absolutely could exist, though I've never seen one, I've never had my own, my own experience, but if, they do exist then they're gonna have to be like every other animal out there where when there's a weather event like this they just know what to do they bed down somewhere they are able to you know they go into a cave they make a a a tree teepee they do something i mean you know it's not like a snowstorm or a blizzard happens then oh suddenly the deer population is wiped out again like they go somewhere right they do something to stay warm whether that's their insulation from their fur, they just it just doesn't affect them like it does us because we're not covered in fur. But maybe he wasn't so much that he was taken by a Bigfoot, but was led away by a Bigfoot. And then during this weather event, he died. You know, his clothes get wet, he gets hypothermic, and he dies versus the Sasquatch, which has the insulation in its in its hair to and the body fat to sustain itself through harsh conditions. And then he's ripped apart by the, the young Bigfoot. And then thrown <laughs> through a portal that doesn't allow shoes. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, listen, unless there was someone recording the whole thing, anything is, is possible. That's he ran off with his new girlfriend and he faked the whole thing. That's one of the major theories. It is. But okay. I mean, that he ran off with a, with a new woman. But then he, they found his dead body. Well, maybe he paid off the the coroner or whoever did the. Uh... Either that or her, her husband found out. I need a skull with exact dental records to match mine. No, no, no! You don't have to do that. You just tell him to fake the report. Like, oh yeah, that was him. Uh, Here's twenty grand. Make make sure that that's the thing. I'm running twenty away grand. I'll be like twenty bucks. Here you go. Twenty, 20, <laughs> 20 bucks. bucks. Does anybody else have anything to put out? Is this it? Because we can we can speculate for days. I think that's pretty much it. I don't really got much more than that, to be honest. Okay. All right. That's it, everybody. What do you think happened to Aaron Hedges? Stop by our Facebook page, send us an email, hit us up on any of our social medias, or go to infiniterabbithole.com. Did we leave anything out? Do you know any additional information that can help us solve this mystery? We should do another poll where it should be, what do you think happened to Aaron Hedges? Portal, Bigfoot, natural occurrence, or other, and see what where people's heads are with this one. And also, if anyone's interested, I have a idea for a t-shirt that has Bigfoot did it, Jeremy, infinite rabbit hole, or hear me out, guys, dot, 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 Bigfoot, dot, 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 Jeremy. <laughs> that I'm going to try to drop on the store because it's, it's, his, it's his line. It is. If you want to get a t-shirt that has Jeremy's favorite circumstance on there <laughs> go to infinite rabbit hole.com and go to our merch shop 
it'll be there shortly. I, I don't think that Bigfoot is evil, not in one bit. I think that there are curious beings and that sometimes accidents happen. I mean, there have been people that have been killed accidentally by gorillas and chimpanzees. And then, I mean, there's also been people that have been killed person purposely by, by gorillas and chimpanzees too. But I think that some mysteries in this world, not all, some mysteries in this world can be solved by, by the recognition of Bigfoot as a species. I do. Anyways, I'm not going to keep you guys here any longer. Go check out infiniterabbithole.com. Check out our merch shop. Got some awesome t-shirts in there. The fabric is awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just don't buy the enamel coffee mug. I'm going to take that thing off. It's horrible. Really? Um, Yeah. It's, well, one, it's tiny, and it's already starting to stain on the inside, and I've I've drank coffee out of like four times, and it's like, I'll I'll send you guys a picture later. It's like super stained on the inside now. And I, I wash it instantly. Just not not a very good product. I'm gonna take it off the shop. So yeah, don't get that. In case I forgot, I wore my don't, neck don't gator at work all day yesterday, and it was awesome. Yeah, good. nice, dude. Hit us up. Let us know what you think happened to Aaron Hedges. Also, let us know what you think about the National Park Mystery Series. Numbers say you guys like it, but who knows? Maybe we're we're uh, tricking you guys every time you think it's gonna be something different. I don't know, <laughs> but we do have a plan for a National Park Mysteries Part Seven coming at some point next early next year in 2022 in case you're listening to this in like 2027 who knows let us know hit us up and on behalf of everybody here the infinite rabbit hole podcast thank you for stopping by we'll see you again at the head of the next path in the infinite rabbit hole bye bye Thank you.